Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. Today, I'd like to introduce Chris Proctor, Weed Management Extension Educator with the University of Nebraska. Chris will be discussing using cover crops in integrated pest management programs. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. To get us started, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm uh, an extension educator, as you mentioned, uh, and so which means I spend a lot of time interacting with growers around the state of Nebraska. And so a lot of different things related to weed management, uh, but I've had particular interest in, in using cover crops these last number of years. Uh, it's just an additional tool for, for managing weeds. And so that's something uh, I've been pretty excited about. Uh, but I, I do uh, a lot of extension outreach uh, and some research, and I really enjoyed working with uh, students and, and, and that aspect of, of what I do as well. And so uh, a lot of variety in what I do, but uh, it keeps me busy and, and it's something I enjoy quite a bit. Fantastic. Well, um, we'll go ahead and get right to today's topic. Uh, give us a kind of a general overview, how cover crops can help with weed suppression. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I think about uh, what are the mechanisms or, or, or what's the value of a cover crop in terms of suppressing weeds, really, it's, it's about resource competition, if I was a, to describe it broadly. And so you have uh, different plants uh, sharing uh, the same space. Uh, and so in the same way that weeds can compete with our crops for nutrients and light, uh, water, and so on, uh, I think cover crops can do the same to weeds. And so if you can establish a cover crop and get it growing in your system, uh, uh, it can uh, effectively suppress weeds, uh, keep them from either emerging or slow their growth down. And so you know, often when I think about it, Really, there's a couple of ways that I think about uh, weed suppression. So we've seen in different work that's been done that weeds, uh, excuse me, that cover crops will suppress weeds by one, delaying the emergence of those weeds. So just by having a cover crop there, that uh, changes the microenvironment where those weeds are germinating. And so you can delay the timing that those weeds emerge uh, in, in, into a different part of, of the season. Uh, so a great example would be Palmer amaranth. Uh, there was a nice study done out of Kansas where they showed uh, by having a, a, a cereal cover crop uh, wheat uh, in this instance, uh, they delayed by almost a month, 50% uh, of their Palmer amaranth emergence. So that was from about mid-May to about mid-June. So that was pretty interesting uh, finding. You know, and another way that I've seen uh, cover crops to suppress weeds is they'll reduce the weed density and so there's just fewer weeds present. So you have cover crops. It's not that all the weeds go away, but the ones that uh, there's just fewer weeds that tend to emerge, um, not as competitive or they don't uh, have as many emerging uh, where the cover crop is present. And one of the other ways that cover crops offer some suppression is by, by reducing weed biomass. Uh, and I have to think about that is, is the size of the weeds. And so uh, just having that competitive cover crop, you can reduce weed size and we know from a lot of different research, if we can reduce the size of the weeds 
that helps some of our other tools be more effective. And so if we can, if we can target managing those weeds uh, when they're small, we tend to be more successful. And so those are the big three ways that, that I often think about when I think of suppression. Okay, great. So help us understand how cover crops can tie into the bigger picture of an integrated pest management system. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's the key uh, is it's, it's part of a system. I guess I'd kind of mentioned that briefly, but really to me, uh, I like to think about an integrated management approach as having multiple tools in a toolbox. And, and so we have a lot of different tools for managing our weeds. Uh, you know, herbicides are very commonly used in our cropping system. Uh, and are fairly effective uh, in most cases. But we've also recognized that if we overuse them or don't use them in the right ways, uh, we can develop uh, herbicide resistance. And so that takes a tool that was once effective and, and, and kind of renders it ineffective. And so we kind of lose that tool from our toolbox. And so when I think about cover crops, uh, it's about adding a, a tool back into our toolbox for suppressing weeds. So instead of asking the herbicides to do all the work in suppressing weeds or controlling weeds, we can get some of that workload or we can, we can transfer some of that workload, say, to a cover crop. So let's say we get 50% suppression from a cover crop. Well, then if we come back with a, an herbicide at that point, we only need 50% more effort from that cover crop or from that herbicide instead of 100%. And so that's just one way that I like to think about it is, is can we diversify our system? Uh, can we add more tools to our toolbox? Can we ask each tool to carry a little bit less of the load. So when you spread it across all of them, they, they remain effective uh, uh, longer. So we don't lose our tools to resistance or, or things like that. And maybe you kind of alluded to this a little bit in, in this previous question that I asked, but what is the relationship between tillage, herbicide resistant weeds, and then cover crops? I think it's, yeah, it's helpful to think through like these different relationships and, and what as best as we can understand what is leading, what's causing what, if you, if you can put it that way. Uh, and so I know in the state of Nebraska, uh, we have a pretty high percentage of our acres that are now no-till managed uh, using no-till systems. And there's a lot of benefits to going to no-till. Uh, there's a lot of advantages uh, to using that, that system. If there is a disadvantage, uh, it's, it's we've we lose tillage as a tool for managing weeds. So tillage tends to be a pretty effective way to control our weeds. In a no-till system, a lot of those weeds now are managed primarily or historically are primarily managed by uh, these herbicide programs. So burying the weed seed, you're not, you're not uh, uh, mechanically controlling those weeds uh, with the tillage implements. And so now we're relying pretty heavily on, on our herbicide management programs uh, uh, to pick up uh, what tillage was once uh, uh, benefiting us. And so I think, so again, do you think about cover crops as a tool to integrate back into that system? It, it could, in a way, play the role that tillage once played uh, in terms of an additional tool for managing managing our system. So that would be one way to think about it. Uh, I'm sure there's others as well. Uh, and that's one thing I've learned along the way is, is there's lots of creative growers and agronomists out there that are trying all these different ideas and, and looking at these systems. But uh, that's certainly one way that, that I've thought about it. So uh, how does the planting date and as well as the location within the field uh, where cover crops are planted, how does that affect their efficacy in helping control weeds? Yeah, so I would say the biggest driver of weed suppression and with cover crops is their ability to produce biomass. 
plants. So the more biomass they produce, the better weed suppression we get. So that's not to say that we don't, that, that there isn't value uh, to cover crops. There is an other added value or reason to go cover crops uh, from reduced uh, biomass or, but when it comes to, to weed suppression, biomass is really the driver. And so the more biomass we produce, the, the better weed suppression we get. So with that in mind, when we think about what, what drives biomass production and cover crops in, in a corn soybean system, our, our limiting factor is often the amount of growing season remaining to plant, establish, and grow a cover crop. And so the early, but, but we do know the earlier we plant in the fall, if we're going to use a fall plant and cover crop, the more biomass we produce uh, in the fall and then the subsequent spring. Right? So it makes sense. You just have more growing season available for that cover crop to, to grow. Uh, but so an earlier planting date in the fall will we'll increase biomass. Uh, and we've tried different ways to, to accomplish that. Uh, so you can interseed your cover crops uh, late in the season uh, with an, an airplane or a high clearance uh, machine that's adapted to interseed cover crops down into a corner soybean canopy before harvest. We've, we've also tried planting earlier season maturity group corner soybean, which would allow for an earlier harvest time. Uh, and this, this then would allow us to plant just a little bit earlier in the fall. So there's some different ways I think folks have tried and, and thought about uh, uh, planting earlier. And then the other side of it is, is, is can you delay termination in the spring? So can you let that cover crop grow just a little bit longer in the spring? Uh, until you terminate it and then and plant your subsequent crop. And so, you know, we, we find in Nebraska that two weeks of time in the month of May can almost double your biomass production. So there's a lot of biomass production potential in that early spring. So once you hit May, a lot of our, our cereals in particular, CRI is very commonly grown. Uh, there's a lot of uh, growth potential just by delaying, say, two weeks from May 1st to May 15th. So Again, biomass drives it, uh, but planting date is really one of the key components to producing biomass. Great. So uh, talk a little bit about allelopathy and in regards to how cover crops can provide an allelopathic effect on weeds. Allelopathy is an interesting one to me. Uh, It's something that I've uh, thought quite a bit about uh, tried to track down a number of research studies. Uh, a group of us uh, put together a review paper recently, kind of thinking through allelopathy and the implications and, and some of the other research that's out there. And what we found is that there's not a lot of field research when it comes to identifying allelopathy specifically. Uh, it, it's discussed, but it's, it's really hard to track down uh, in, a, in a field setting. So there's a lot of laboratory-based setting. Uh, studies where they can extract the allelopathic compounds and test how well they, uh, what effects they might have on seeds. Um, it's a little bit harder to, to track that in the soil. Uh, there's just a lot more going on and the concentrations are different and, and, and all those things. So that being said, there are allelopathic compounds that different cover crops produce. Uh, cereal rye, rye grasses uh, are one that uh, are often noted for their allelopathic potential. The mustards are another one that, that have some of that potential. I think the one thing that we note is, is the larger the seed of the weed or the crop, the less allelopathy seems to influence those, those plants. Uh, and so often our, we don't think our, our crop species are very uh, 
very often influenced by allelopathy because they're relatively large seeded uh, corn, soybean, for example. Uh, but you have a really small seeded uh, weed like uh, palmer amaranth or water hemp, for example. Uh, those those small seeded weeds where the seeds are near the surface or, or uh, mare's tail is another great example, a horse weed, uh, you know, those types of weed species. Uh, I, I think we do see some impact from allelopathy where those chemicals that those, those cover crops produce and are released into the soil uh, can also uh, help suppress, uh, suppress those weeds. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. And now, back to the podcast. How can using cover crops help minimize growers' reliance on, on pesticides? You, you've kind of alluded to how, you know, herbicides play into the picture, but what about pesticides? Yeah, no, I, I, I think there are some other uh, benefits to, to cover crops more broadly than just just weed suppression. Uh, so I, th- I think it is important to note, you know, when you think about different cover crop species and, and their ability to attract either beneficial insects or predatory uh, insects, uh, uh, I think there's been some work done that has shown that, that uh, if you can increase those populations of insects, uh, it can have a, a positive effect on, on insects that are often pests or crop. And so, uh, you know, cover crops can kind of provide that, that host crop uh, if you will, to draw those those different uh, uh, predators in, and and usually we see a, a greater diversity of of insects uh, in fields that are growing cover crops than those without. And so, just by having that that broader diversity of insects present, tends to have a pretty um, uh, benefit. It tends to be beneficial to the system as a whole. So that's one way that that uh, I think has been recognized uh, of cover crops value in the system more broadly. Great. So uh, what about herbicides? I know you talked a little bit about the relationship between herbicides and, and herbicide-resistant weeds and cover crops, but how can using cover crops help growers save money then on herbicide costs? I think it's a really interesting question, and it's a question that I hear a lot of folks starting to talk about. Uh, I would say we're a little bit early still in understanding how how these tools effectively fit in our system uh, in the sense that I don't know a lot of folks that are using cover crops instead of spraying an herbicide yet but I think I think that's what they're they're striving towards you know I, I think I think the goal is, is is can we can we identify what what's the economic value of these cover crops and, and can we really identify what how much suppression are we getting from cover crops on these weeds and, and does it allow us to maybe skip an herbicide application that we would have made otherwise because we're getting good enough uh, uh, weed suppression so I think people are moving in that in that direction they're starting to to try that out as they get into the season all right kind of maybe I, maybe if I have enough residue can I skip my post application am I am I comfortable with the level of 
of weed suppression I'm seeing as that canopy is closing, that maybe I won't apply that that post-emergence application in my corn or soybeans where uh, without the cover crop, I might uh, typically do that. And so I think folks are thinking about that. And I think I think as, as folks start to think about interseeding cover crops, uh, so drill interseeding is becoming more topic that I hear about and, and we've done some research on and that's where we would uh, intercede a cover crop into, into corn, maybe the V3, V4 stage of corn early in the season to try to establish it early and, and see if we can't get enough cover crop growth to actually benefit weed suppression as we go into the season. And, and by, by doing that, uh, does that provide a level of weed suppression that, that potentially could uh, limit uh, our herbicide program? So now I think the goal, I think the people that are really pushing for this, the goal might be can we can we have a continuously growing cover crop throughout the season? So as the one uh, cover crop is is terminated, our our cash crop or our primary crop is planted, and they come back and plant a cover crop right into that to kind of keep that cycle going. I think the closer we can get to that that ideal, I think the more success we might see in being able to start minimizing some of the herbicides. In these, in these. But as of yet, I don't think it's 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 not the tool to uh, just straight replace herbicides. So I think it's, it's how does it fit in my system? Are there ways that I can, that I can take, make use of it and, and in certain fields or certain settings where I know I have particular issues or, or certain goals I'm trying to meet. So uh, that's kind of a long way of saying, I think we're getting there, but I think it, I think it, it really depends on, on what we're doing and what our system looks like. Okay. Well, kind of getting into the nitty gritty here of, of what a system looks like which cover crop species have you seen are best suited for helping reduce some of those incidences of disease or nematodes or, or weeds, uh, of course? Again, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of the benefits that we see on weeds in particular, again, is, is tied to biomass. Uh, and I think, I think diseases, uh, it's a little bit mixed there. Um, too much biomass, you might, you have the potential maybe to start a, uh, creating a green bridge, depending on, on, on what your disease pressure is, uh, where that disease carries from the crop to the cover crop back to the crop again. And so I think a little more care is, is often taken when thinking about uh, disease management or if you know you have uh, a, a lot of disease pressure. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is species selection depends a lot on your goal and, and what are the windows of opportunity within your system. So if you're a corn and soybean grower, you kind of have what would be maybe called a traditional cropping system. That window opportunity is really once you harvest your corn or soybean until you plant that corn or soybean again in the spring. And so that's a pretty short window. And in those instances, it's, it's, the, it's the winter cereal uh, grasses that tend to be most successful. Uh, so instances where we've planted these highly diverse mixes in those settings, usually it's the cereal rye that... that uh, survives and, and carries most of the uh, weight of that mix. Uh, most of those species don't, either they don't emerge or they emerge uh, and they die in the wintertime or they just don't have a lot of growth in that window. But if we follow wheat, for example, which is harvested in July, that gives us a much larger window for establishing a whole range of cover crops. You know, behind seed corn, uh, there's opportunities there to seed much earlier in the season. Uh, these inner seeding opportunities that, that I uh, had mentioned where you're planting into uh, your growing cash crop. I think you can establish more diverse mixes there. Um, so I think there's value in, in these diverse mixes, but only if, only if you allow yourself enough 
uh, opportunity for those mixes to establish and grow uh, and produce enough biomass to benefit. Um, but if you're looking at really short windows of, of opportunity, uh, I, I don't think the value and uh, the, the return on investment for those mixes is, is really there. All right, great. So would you say that a cover crop mix is probably better than a monocrop? I, mean, I guess I would say it depends. I would say not, not always, but certain. But there's certainly times where where I think uh, it probably is more advantageous. And we we often we often think, and I think rightly so, that if we can increase diversity in our systems, there's a benefit to that. Um, diversity tends to improve resilience and our ability for our system to be managed through. Um, different environmental conditions and different things that come up in a season that we don't always aren't able, always able to anticipate. So diversity certainly helps us in those ways. But I, I guess the key with, with mixes is, is making sure that, that the system is set up, that, that those mixes are actually performing in a way that, that they're benefiting us. Um, so, so often, I, I think I, I don't want to just keep reiterating the same point, but, but if we don't have enough season available for those mixes to establish and grow, uh, they tend to be more expensive, and I'd say your money's better spent really focusing on one or two species that you know will be successful uh, for that part of your season uh, versus trying to push a mix that, that might not be successful. So it's it's really thinking about your system and where do they fit, what, what are the goals that you're trying to achieve. So there's certainly soil health goals and nutrient goals that, that might be of interest uh, beyond just weed suppression. So if, if you're interested in those things, you want to think about that as well. Okay. So how can growers ensure that cover crops compete with weeds and not the cash crop? Yeah, I, I think that's a good question. That, that needs to be, certainly needs to be thought about. Um, and, and so I, I think it depends. Soybean tends to be more forgiving, I think would be the way, the way I'd put it, uh, than corn. Uh, so a lot of times... You know, folks can plant their soybean into a green and growing cover crop before they terminate it, and the soybean tends to emerge through that and, and be just fine. Where a lot of times corn really struggles in, in that type of planting environment, um, and so I think I think if you're new to cover cropping and you haven't used them a lot, I think erring on the side of caution, making sure you terminate maybe two weeks uh, before planting to give yourself enough time for that. I cover crops that kind of settle down and break down so it's not competing with that crop as it emerges. Um, but the most critical time really is, is right around the time of planting and, and early emergence of, of our cash crops. And so I think if we can avoid competition from our cover crop at those times, that, that's what's really important uh, ultimately. But a lot of this is learning. I mean, I've, I've seen growers do some things that I, I would have thought were going to turn out to be failures and they've been really successful at it. And so but they usually start small, they kind of work into it, they figure out what works for them and the equipment that they have and, and how to be successful. And so it's a little bit of trial and error for each field and each grower. So to say that there's a one size fits all uh, just wouldn't be, wouldn't be true. So uh, I think there's some good principles and, and you're right in saying that we just need to be cautious that our cover crop doesn't become a weed itself and start competing with our cash crop. But, but I think we're getting better at, at how to manage that. All right. So uh, you mentioned like the importance of uh, finding your goal. And if your goal is weed suppression, why is it important for cover crops to be established quickly? Uh, if, if that is what you're purposely using 
cover crops to do? Yeah, I, I, I think it goes back to the fact that we're asking cover crops to compete for those those resources that the weeds might otherwise utilize. And so the faster we can establish the cover crop, the more competitive they can be against those weeds as the weeds begin to emerge. So uh, if, if we can quickly establish cover crop and, and, and produce a biomass on those cover crops, then they, those cover crops are just going to be more competitive uh, uh, with the weeds as they emerge. And so I think that's just something that's important to pay attention to. And it just is a, is a maybe an, an addition to, to that idea. Knowing which weed species you have in your field, I think helps with that, the timing. Uh, so if you have a winter annual weed and it emerges in the fall, you might think differently about the timing of cover crop establishment and where you see the benefit uh, versus an early emerging summer annual, uh, like a giant ragweed, for example, or a, a later emerging summer annual, like a lot of our pigweeds. And so knowing when, knowing a little bit about the biology of the weeds that are problematic in your field and, and when they emerge and when they're most competitive, and it can help uh, help plan kind of the timing and 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 think through uh, how to best utilize cover crops as well. All right. So, can crop rotation of cash crops beyond just corn and soybeans also help with weed suppression to some extent? Well, I, I would say absolutely. So, from a weed management perspective, I think. Tools in our toolbox is important, and and I and I think anything we can do to disrupt weed cycles is always valuable. And so, if you think about corn and soybeans, they're planted about the same time of the year. They're harvested about the same time of the year. And so, a lot of our systems has, have really selected for just a handful of weed species that tend to be really competitive in corn and soybeans. Uh, but if we if we were to add wheat, which I think is a great example, just to, to make the point, if you add that winter wheat to your rotation, now we're planting our crop in September, maybe October. And, and at the time when corn and soybeans are typically planted, if you think of what a, a winter wheat crop looks at that time of the year, mid-April to the first part of May, it's actively growing. It, it, it's well established. It has a lot of soil cover at that time. Uh, and so a lot of the weeds that would com compete with corn and soybean just aren't going to be competitive with wheat because the wheat is so well established at that part, part of the season. And then harvest comes in July with, with wheat. And so now you have opportunity to manage weeds with different tools than you would be able to manage weeds at mid, what would be mid-season for corn and soybean. Uh, that's the end of the season for wheat. And so now you have some other opportunities there. So just thinking about in that sense, uh, can you can you disrupt those weed cycles uh, and, and can you add something in that will allow you to manage weeds at different times of the year and using different tools? Um, I, I think when we think about an integrated systems approach, that becomes a, a really helpful tool. Great. So where can our listeners go for more information about using cover crops in an integrated pest management program. You know, I've, I know there's a, there's a lot of resources out there now. There's a couple that I'm familiar with. So I, I, I've, I've helped write a number of articles and my colleagues have written a number of articles that we publish through the University of Nebraska uh, Crop Watch website. And so that's one place that I would point uh, folks to go look. The Midwest Cover Crop Council, I think, is a great resource. Uh, and they have a lot of material on their website. Uh, the Soil Health Institute, and, and, and uh, you know, they think a lot about cover cropping. 
cover crops, the uh, SARE uh, organization. And I, I can never, we have so many acronyms. I'm not going to be able to uh, tell you what it stands for off the top of my head right now, but uh, the North Central SARE uh, has a lot of resources available that thinks about uh, cover crops and, and the IPM Center also has a lot of resources uh, available. So those are just a few that, that, that come to mind that, that I've referenced before and I think are helpful. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Appreciate you uh, inviting me, Sarah. Yeah. So you can hear more from Chris about cover crops and weed suppression during the National Cover Crop Summit coming up on March 15th and 16th. Visit CoverCropStrategies.com to register for this online free virtual event. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.